with all our heart, soul, and mind, and strength with our finances, Father God, from the inside out. That's what you're asking for us. And Lord God, I pray for your touch upon every penny, every dollar, everything that comes into the coffers today, Father God. Your hand is upon this. And we thank you, Lord, that your kingdom, your economy is far greater than anything we could think of for ourselves. We give you all the praise. Amen. Today is our last week in this series, Heroes, and uh, I have enjoyed going through this. Before service, I was uh, talking with someone, they were speculating what, who the person was we were going to talk about today. We were doing a warmer or a colder, and they never guessed it, so it was uh, off to a good start. Oh, one more announcement plug, I forgot. This is very last minute, but um, after second service today, if you want to come back, um, we're going to throw... A football game up on the big screen. It's a no-host uh, situation here where you go get your own fast food or something and kick back and enjoy the game. Um, we wanted to get a pro football game up there, but all that's available is the Seahawks. So we will um, we'll watch that game. But uh, I already got some people against me now. I haven't even started preaching yet. <laughs> that's right. Well, um, so today is our last Heroes Day, and, and we're going to be talking about the second-to-last judge in the Bible. The second-to-last judge in the Bible. So if we were looking at what, techni- if you were going technically, Samuel is the last judge of the Bible. He was the last judge and first prophet. So the one right before him was Samson. And Samson's story um, actually fills more ink in the Bible than any other judge in the Bible, Gideon or anyone else. He, he takes up quite a few chapters in the, in the book of Judges. And uh, he's probably the closest to actual superhero judge that you've got, like superhero person in the Bible that you can read about. Um, this, guy, this guy was uh, genuinely supernatural. So if you have your Bibles, open them with me. We're going to be in the book of Judges, chapters 13 through 15, 15 today. We're going to kind of do a a survey, an overview of of Samson. We're going to pull some really important things from his life. So starting in verse 1, it says this. Again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Philistines who oppressed them for 40 years. 
So once again, Israel is handed into the uh, is handed over into to their enemies. Their uh, uh, the, the Philistines were an enemy that would actually be a thorn in Israel's side for many years. For for many many years, you think about David killed Goliath. Goliath was a Philistine. They were battling this group of people for a long extended period of time, and so uh, we're aware of this story. Um, but in this particular instance, for forty years, the Israelites are the actual subjects of the Philippi- Philistines, not the Philippines. That that would be a long ways away they came from. The Philistines. So they are, they are their subjects. That means that they, they are having to give them uh, basically food and money just to keep them from attacking them. They are, they are their vassals. And so um, they, are, they are at the will and whim of, of what the Philistines are doing. And we've talked about the cycle of the judges that Israel was in, right? They would reject God. And so because they rejected God, God would hand them over to their oppressors. He'd allow the oppressors to come in. The Israelites would be like, man, this stinks. God, save us, right? And then God would send someone in that would come and rescue them, deliverance. And uh, they'd be like, oh, that's great. But then it's rinse and repeat, right? Then they'd be like, oh, let's reject God. And they'd go right back into that same cycle. And, uh, and so something, though, as you read this story, if, as you read what happens here, it's it's, it's very evident in these first views, few verses that something is missing in this cycle that we see normally. The Israelites sin, they, they, they go against the Lord and God hands them over to the Philistines and God brings deliverance, but they never call out to God to be saved. Um, I don't know if it's maybe they were just so acclimated to their condition that they just kind of, it had become their normal. And they're like, I guess this is just how life is. And so they never called out to God. I don't know what the circumstance was, but they came to a point where they never even asked for deliverance. And, uh, um, but yet God sends deliverance anyways. And uh, let me tell you, there are times that we may be so lost in our own depravity. We may be so lost in our own brokenness that we don't even realize how in need of a savior we are. We are so blinded that we don't see what's going on in our, in our lives. And so, but yet God already did with Israel in the same way God sees that with us, even when we don't see it ourselves. Um, God appointed Jesus for this task for us before the creation of the world even began, it says. We've all been lost in sin. We've all been lost in this brokenness, but God knew ahead of time and he sent Jesus on our behalf. The book of 1 Peter says, God chose him, Jesus, as our ransom long before the world began, but now in these last days he has been revealed for your sake. And so the Israelites didn't even know they needed rescuing, but God sent a rescuer. He sent Samson to Israel, and he's born to a couple. They've been unable to conceive, unable to have a baby. And God says, you are going to give birth to Israel's rescuer. Think about how long you have to wait to be rescued. This baby hasn't even been born yet. In the past, he's used very much alive people already. Grown, ready to go. Adults, men and women that were ready to take up the sword, whatever it is, and go fight. This is a baby that has yet to gestate. This is a baby that has yet to be born, to grow into a man, to actually do all these things to save him. So they are like waiting for this deliverance. They're waiting for this savior. And so they're waiting on, the, on this uh, deliverance from God. And Samson is finally born and he's raised by his father and mother to be a Nazarite. God commanded them. He says he's to be a Nazar, Nazarite. And uh, the book of Numbers chapter 6 gives a clear description of what a Nazarite is. A Nazarite is someone who takes for a limited amount of time a vow. They say, for this time period, I'm going to... Uh, Obey God in a certain way. There's directives that it implicates saying that they're never going to come into contact with a dead body. They are never to drink alcohol and they're never to cut their hair. 
And so a Nazarite vow was something very, uh, that was very normal in Jewish society, but, but yet uh, Samson was different because his life was supposed to be lived under these restrictions for the entirety. As a matter of fact, before he was even born, because the directions are given to his mom to not touch alcohol, which is a good thing when you're pregnant, and, uh, and, to, not, uh, and to not have all these things because she herself was preparing the way for Samson. And so from, from birth, Samson was set apart, set aside to be this deliverance. And so let's jump ahead to verse 24. It says, so when her son was born, she named him Samson, and the Lord blessed him as he grew up, and the spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he lived in Manadan, which is located between the towns of Zorah and Eshtael. So he's born, and the spirit of the Lord, as he's growing, begins to stir in him already. And he grows into a man with this divine calling on his life. There is such clear purpose. How many of us would say, I wish it was so clear what my purpose when I was born was. Like, your, your, your mom holds you as a baby and says, this is exactly what you're going to do. You're like, oh man, I don't even have to worry about this. What's your major in college? Well, it's been told to me from since I was born. Maybe some of us are like, that was told to me. I was told I have to be a doctor, you know, and that's just... Well, this was Samson. It was so clear what his calling was. It was very evident. It was, um, it was prophesied over him. So he grows into this man with this divine calling. He was to shake off the tyranny of the Philistines and free the Israelites from oppression. But here's what it says in the very next verse. So we just read about where he was born and he had the spirit of the Lord stirring in him. Very next verse, verse, verse 1 of 14. One day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. And when he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want her to marry me. Get her for me. That's an aggressive dating technique. uh, (laughs) Nothing attracts a woman like having your parents go, you know, help set up the date. You know, you're like, mom, go say hi to her for me. But he he was like, I want her, go get her for me. You can tell he's kind of a spoiled brat already. But also we can see he's somewhere he has no business being. He's in the Philistine territory. And, and, uh, And Samson sees this woman and it was lust at first sight. It was a love story that we would never uh, wish on, on, on someone that was called of God like this. But Samson left his eyes unguarded. Samson left his eyes unguarded and he went somewhere he had no business being. You see, having a calling and having an anointing, they mean nothing if they're not protected. And Samson's eyes fail him from the very beginning. Um, we read about Greek heroes like Achilles. Um, I used to love Greek history and things like that. And Achilles' weakness was that tendon on the back of his foot, right? That one small area. And if it got struck, he, he was doomed. He, he, was, uh, he, he was defeated. And so in the same way for Samson, his point of exploit was his eyes. He saw this Philistine woman and he goes, I want her. Go get her for me. And Jesus said the eyes of the lamp or the eyes of the lamp of the body. Be careful what we allow into our body because it's letting what light are we letting into our souls? What are we allowing in? And let me tell you, church, not everything that glitters is gold. He saw a woman that he thought was beautiful. He saw a woman that he thought was exactly what he needed. Let me tell you, the world can look enticing. It can look like there's just the perfect amount of pleasure and and fulfillment and self-gratification. And that's what I need. That's what I want. And that's what Samson's seeing. But not only was he not carrying out the purpose of God when he let his eyes stray, but he actually became an enemy. He began making alliances against God. He started making actual alliances against God. He was allying himself with the very people he was called to destroy. 
And in Judges 14.3, it says his father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites you could marry, they asked. Why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? You can imagine. They've heard this proclamation. They saw God himself who told them who Samson was going to be. The devastation. I know who God's called you to be. What are you doing? What are you doing? Please. Now, some translations use use this phrasing. It says, why are you marrying a foreigner? Now, it's important we don't get it twisted, though. They're not talking about her race or ethnicity here. It's there. Remember the story of Rahab. Um, there, there is, it's not about racism here, but rather they are seeing that her heart is not committed in the same direction as his heart should have been. Her priorities were not the same as his. Her God's was not the God. And they knew that she was going to pull him away from his calling, that he had a calling and they were not moving in the same directions. In 2 Corinthians 6, it says, do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever, right? And they saw this. They, they saw what was coming. But yet, despite that, Samson told his father, get her for me. She looks good to me. He's a deep thinker. I think he appreciated her for her mind and her... This is very similar language to Eve in the garden. She looks good to me. What did Eve say when she took the fruit? She ate it because it looked good. That's how sin is, right? It looks enticing. It looks good to eat. This looks delicious. And he's he's headed to meet this woman. He's going along the road to meet this woman. A lion jumps out and attacks him. And actually, this is fascinating. I found this in a non, not even a biblical source, an actual historical source. Did you know that African lions used to range all the way up into Eastern Europe and into the the Balkans almost areas until they were hunted to almost extinction in those regions? So lions were very much not just cougars. These are lion lions. This is Simba lion. Attacks him. And it says he grabs it and rips it apart as if it were a young goat, which I, that's an odd way to compare it. Like, I don't rip go- young goats apart very often, but apparently that's very easy to do. So he grabs this lion and effortlessly, when the power of God comes on him, he rips it in half. And he throws it to the side and he moves on to go meet his bride, not thinking anything of it. Well, a while later, he returns to the same place, Timnah, for his wedding. And as he's walking along with his parents, he sees off the side of the road the carcass of the lion. And inside it, there's a swarm of bees. And they've made a little hive there and there's honey in that carcass. And so in verse 9 of chapter 14 says that he scooped some of the honey into his hands and he ate it along the way. And he also gave some to his father and his mother and they ate it. But he didn't tell them that he had taken the honey from the carcass of the lion. Why would it matter? Because it's gross. That's the answer. Because it's gross. Samson already broke the first vow of a Nazarite to never come into contact with the dead body, the carcass of this animal, right? And he went off his path and he found this carcass. It's something good to eat. And I think this is just the perfect metaphor for what Samson is doing with his life. He sees something enticing. He sees something that's gratification. That's going to be good. That's going to feel good. It's what my eyes want. It's what my stomach wants. It's what I desire. And he chooses that over God's call. And he goes down and he touches this, this carcass, which is breaking that Nazarite vow that he was called to. His eyes saw something enticing and he took it. In the next verse, it says in verse 10, and his father was making final arrangements for the marriage. Samson threw a party at Timnah, as was the custom for elite young men. So when the bride's parents saw him, they selected 30 young men from the town to be his companions. So Samson throws himself a bachelor party. The problem is the word here for bachelor or for party is mishta. And mishta is literally defined as a feast or party, a celebration or occasion for drinking. It's literally a party specific. It's, he threw himself a keg party. 
Samson throws himself a keg party. Now he's breaking the second part of his commitment, commitment as a Nazarite vow. He is to not let alcohol pass his lips. But yet now he, on his way, touches a dead body. He gets to the party. He throws a kegger. And he's just having a blast with all his friends. And so in the middle of this party, Samson sets up a wager. He says, here's a riddle for you. And he gives them this riddle out of the, you know, out of the, uh, uh, a killer comes something sweet, you know, something along those lines. I don't have the exact verse in front of me. But um, he gives this riddle to the, to the people around him. And his pride is wounded when they solve it. They solve it by threatening his fiance with death. Not a great way to solve riddles, but they, they went that direction. They solve his riddle and it angers him. And so Samson goes on a kill streak. In order to make up for the payment he owes on the debt, he walks 23 miles to the next town, kills 30 men, takes the payment that was needed for that bet, takes it back, pays him off. They find out about the 30 men and it upsets him. So then they kill his fiance. That upsets him further. You can see things kind of just fall apart here. So they kill his fiance because they're mad about him killing the 30 people. That upsets him. So he catches 300 foxes. How do you catch 300 foxes? I don't know. He ties their tails together with torches in them, sets them free in the fields. This is around the harvest time. The fields are all dry, just torches the entire Philistine fields. That tends to upset the Philistines as well. So they get in another battle. He ends up killing over a thousand, he kills a thousand Philistines with just a jawbone of a donkey then. So this, this progression happens, this, this, uh, this, 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 Progression happens, and after he kills this thousand Philistines with this jawbone, he writes himself a little poem. He has a celebration poem. He says, uh, with a donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys of them. With a donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. So he writes himself a little limerick to celebrate what he did there. And uh, the, the thing, though, we see here is Samson is controlled by his pride. He's not controlled by the Spirit of God, but he's controlled by his pride. His pride informed him that he was indestructible. His pride informed him that rather uh, than, than, than being used by God in certain ways, if you offend me, if you make me feel stupid, if you make me feel threatened, I can just strike back. And so Samson kills a lot of people, but there's something interesting, and we'll, we'll get to this in just a minute. But rather than being used as a powerful force, for, by God's hand, he was actually at this uncontrolled destructive force that really did very little to deliver Israel. Did you know that? Something we don't realize when we read the story of Samson is, yes, he was a judge of Israel. No, he was not a deliverer of Israel. Did you know he didn't deliver Israel? Talk about a guy that had all the natural giftings to do this. You compare that to Gideon, who was the least in his tribe, the guy that was the most cowardly. Samson had all the natural giftings. Firepower, right? He's like... <laughs> Mr. Muscles, but yet his pride controlled him and he was not used by God. In, in, in verse 20 of chapter 15, it says, Samson judged Israel for 20 years during the period when the Philistines dominated the land. So the whole time he was judging, he was just, maybe he'd kill a few people, but he never set the people free. His time of judging didn't end in to put an end to the Philistine dom dominion, but rather he was controlled more by his rage and his pride than his purpose. He's controlled by his rage and his pride more than his purpose. I think most of the time when we react in anger, when we react, when that thing goes off in our mind, it's because we feel threatened. Our pride feels threatened. We feel fearful. And this is, this is how Samson would react. And so um, when the Spirit of the Lord would come upon him, he could tear apart animals. He could kill people. He could tear apart even buildings. He had nearly limitless strength and cunning, probably the original superhero. He literally ripped the gates off a city once and carried them to the top of a hill. He was the original crossfitter. He just carried some gates up to the top of a mountain, set them up there. But 
Proverbs says that pride comes before the fall. And Samson had a whole lot of pride. We think our sin is a toy. We think it's our game until suddenly we realize, no, wait a minute. I'm its prey. It's my master. In 1 Corinthians 10, 12, Paul warns, if any of you think you stand firm, watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, waiting to devour you. And Samson felt really sure about where he was, but this is exactly what happened to him. Continuing on in chapter 16, verse 4, it says, Sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah, who lived in the valley of Sorek. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, Entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. Then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. That's a lot of money. That's about 15 years wages. So they really wanted Samson out of the picture. They really wanted Samson gone. But the problem was Samson fell in love with Delilah, it says here. Did you see that? He fell in love with Delilah. Samson compromised his heart. Once again, he's back in the arms of the enemy. How many times have we heard the phrase, just follow your heart? How many times have we heard that? How many times do we hear that? Uh, just, 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 just your heart wants what it wants. Continue after it. It, tell, it. it will never deceive you. Let me tell you, the heart is deceptive. Our feelings blind us. Jeremiah 17, 9 says that the human heart is the most deceitful of all things. Our feelings, we can't trust them. If we follow our hearts, it will lead you astray. We need to follow truth, not our hearts. See, this story has always baffled me. I don't know if it's baffled you with how he has this relationship with Delilah. Delilah's like, hey, sweetie, come to bed with me. By the way, if someone were to want to, like, take away your powers and, like, tie you up so you couldn't escape, how would they do that? I'd be like, that's kind of sus. I don't know. That's a weird question. And he'd say, oh, well, you know, and he'd make up a lie. If you tie me up with, you know, go down to Jerry's and get some really good rope. You're going to want the good rope and tie me up. Um, then I'll just be as weak as any man. And so she would do it. And then she'd wake him up. Samson, the Philistines are here to kill you. And they were there to kill him. And he'd snap the ropes and go beat him up for a while. And then he'd, he'd come back and she'd say, you lied to me. This baffles me. How do you not see this, Samson? She wants to kill you. She wants you captured. She wants nothing good for you. But yet he was blinded by love. This is what this does to us if we don't guard our hearts. Is that we, we will get um, so easily blinded by what sin is doing. We miss the things that are so obvious before us. Because Samson had been blinded, his heart uh, blinded him. He made concession after concession. He's, and he, you notice that after each concession, he gets closer to what it really was. By the last time, he said, just weave my hair into a loom. And then I'll be as weak as any man. And then the last time, he said, okay, you were, we were on the right track with the hair, but just shave off those seven braids I've got. And when he told her that, she did it, she shaved his head in his sleep and tied him up. And it's one of the most tragic verses in the Bible. It says this in verse 20. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. And he, when he woke up, he thought, I will do before, or I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize that the Lord had left him. 
Here we have the last straw, right? It's the, the one that breaks the camel's back. He's, he's uh, come into contact with a carcass. He's uh, willingly, he's, he's uh, consumed this alcohol that he was not called to do. And then on top of it now, he's, he's allowed his hair to be cut. And all of this has led to this moment where suddenly he is at the complete will of his enemies. And when our hearts have been captured, we are in a position we can't escape. When our hearts are captured, we're in a position we can't escape. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And Samson didn't guard his heart. And it says this in verse 21, So the Philistines captured him, and they gouged out his eyes. And they took him to Gaza, where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. That's the job, primarily, of an ox. But let me tell you this. Samson is there. His eyes have been gouged out. He's in this prison grinding grain. But God found him there. God found him in that pit. You see, it says in Psalm 139, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. And so here's Samson. He's isolated. He's blinded. He's doing the job of an ox in a prison pit, but God found him in that place. And it says this in verse 22, before long, God's hair, or before long, his hair began to grow back. I think it's interesting. The eyes that had failed him at the very beginning were gone. The eyes that had gone astray were no longer there. And suddenly Samson saw so much more clearly than he ever had before. He was brought back to the very core of what he was about. His purpose, what it was about. He was brought back to what his calling was. And in, 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 in this everything else being stripped away, even his sight, it brought him back to the purposes of his life. And so the Philistines brought him to their temple to mock him. And he asked a servant boy to lean him against the pillars that supported the whole structure. And in verse 28, it says that Samson prayed to the Lord. He said, Sovereign Lord, remember me again, O God. Please strengthen me just one more time. And he took those pillars and he pushed them down and the entire place collapsed, killing more Philistines when he died than than in his entire lifetime. This is a story that really I read as a tragedy. You think about how much was wasted, how much was given to him. How much was lost. But what's interesting is, did you know Samson wasn't a rebellious Israelite? He was a microcosm of exactly what the Israelites were. He was any other Israelite. He represented in every way the nation that had turned against God. And let me tell you this, and how each of us have as well. Samson had everything that could be desired, but he was empty. And if our team would return to the stage right now. Samson had everything that would be desired, but he was empty. The Spirit of God would come upon him, but he had nothing living within him. He was just living in the flesh. So here's some questions I want us to ask today. Have your eyes been left unguarded? Have you been making small compromises? Samson didn't lose his anointing all at once. Did you catch that? He would, he would make a compromise and still the Spirit of God would come upon him. He'd do great things. But it, was this, uh, it, was, it wasn't all at once, but ra- rather it was one step at a time that he ended up losing this anointing. Has pride kept you from surrendering fully to God? Maybe like Samson, your strengths have become your liability. Do you hear me on that? Maybe like Samson, your strengths have become your liability. You lean on those, you trust those, but that's actually become a liability. Maybe for you, you are locked up in sin like Samson is. You can't save yourself. Let me tell you something. The most important thing is this, that Jesus is here to set you free today. 
Jesus is here to set you free. It doesn't matter how strong a person you are, how good a person you are. Jesus is our strength. It's not our own strength. It's God's power that's at work within us. We can't do it on our own. But the problem is we like to be, I can do it on my own people. Bootstrap people. It's interesting. In the 1960s, there was uh, 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 General Mills had someone come in. His name was, uh, I'm going to have to look it up, Ernest Dichter. And uh, they said, we're having a problem. Our pre-made cake mixes are not selling well. And so he looked into it and he started asking around why the cake mixes aren't selling well. And they said, well, the problem is it's just add water. It's just add water. And, and uh, for all the, uh, the homemakers that are using this, they feel like not enough being asked of them. They're not putting enough into the process. It's just too easy. It's, it's not the taste is bad or anything like that. It's just too easy. I don't feel like there's enough. I, I haven't earned it on my own. And so do you know what they started doing? Now when you get a cake mix, you have to crack an egg in that thing. Because people feel like, I need to invest a little more in this process to make it work. Let me tell you something. We like to think, with God, I need to bring something pretty good to offer here. And then, then things will be good. And then I can bring my strength and help him out a little bit. Or my goodness will be enough. Let me tell you, God is more than enough. It's all him. It's just him. Nothing else we bring to the equation. It's not a little extra thing we add in. It's all Jesus. It's all Jesus. And Samson leaned into his strength. He leaned into all the giftings he had, but he was missing the most important thing. The Spirit of God needed to live within him, not just upon him. And so does God live within you today? Do you trust him completely with yourself? Or are you still saying, I'm a pretty good guy. I'm a pretty good Joe. But we need to say, I need you, God. It's not my own goodness. It's you and you alone. So this morning, let's bow our heads and close our eyes as we close. If you're in this room this morning, and this morning you have been trying to be a good enough person, but let me tell you, your eyes have pulled you away. Your heart's been drawn somewhere else recognize I, I am compromising in so many areas I'm broken in so many areas and I need the spirit of God to come live in me that it's only what he can do and I need him to take precedence, pride to be torn down, walls to be torn down in my life so that I depend wholly and completely on him so if that's you in this room this morning and you say I'm on the way to destruction I'm not going to mince words. I'm on the way to destruction. The way my life is going, the choices I've been making, the compromises I've been uh, engaging in, I am on my way to destruction. I felt like I had control, but I realized I don't. I am not the master of this world, but rather it has mastered me, and I am locked up in this, and I need a Savior. If that's you in this room right now, I want you to raise your hand and raise it high. I want to pray with you. Yes, I see that hand and that hand. Who else in that hand and that hand? Who else would join these right now? That hand, yes, I see your hand. And that hand, yes. And that hand, yes. Hands across this room right now, Jesus. I pray with those that have said, there have been areas in my life where I've made compromises. My eyes have pulled me away. My heart has been drawn to other things. And I've been thinking, I can make it up. I can be a good enough person. But rather, I need to put my full trust in you. I need your spirit within me, not my own strength. It's not my uh, adding God to my, 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 my world, but rather me completely wrapping myself in him. So right now, I pray with those that raise their hands right now that there would be a complete commitment 
to repentance in Jesus' name. Broken spirits in Jesus' name. No more excuses, no more making uh, excuses on why or this or that, but saying there is only one thing I need, and that is you, God. So Jesus, right now, I pray for your restoring spirit to come and first convict right now. Convict hearts that have been far from you. Convict us when we've turned our own way. Bring us back to where we started. Right now, if you're in this room and you raised your hand, or maybe you're ready to say, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. I want you to pray this prayer with me and the rest of us in this room are going to pray this prayer. This prayer is the starting point. This prayer is not the end all. This prayer is a prayer of belief and it's followed by discipleship and commitment. Saying from this point on, I'm going to pick up my cross. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. Emotions, they may not follow, but I have committed myself to follow Jesus. I'm going to burn the ships and follow you, Jesus. So right now in this room, this prayer is that prayer of commitment to start. Repeat this after me. Say, dear Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you came to die for me. When I was lost in my own sin, when my heart had gone astray, when I chose my own way, you still came for me when I was lost. So right now I give you my heart, Jesus. You are my king. I'm not my king. You are my king. From this day forward, I will serve you and I will follow you with every ounce of my strength. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for coming after me. Thank you for giving me hope in a future. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. For those that raised your hands, for those that said, I've decided to follow Jesus, I encourage you to do this. Mark on your connection card in a minute when Hosanna leads us in these to let us know that you made the decision to follow Jesus because we want to help you on that journey. It's not just a prayer. It's now a journey to following Jesus. And so we want to help you along that path. We're getting a class together right now that's going to be a group of people that are making those first steps in following Jesus. Or maybe you want a refresher. What's this look like? Maybe that's you. Mark that down. This is one of the first steps in baptism too. So mark that on your connection card. We don't want to miss you. We don't want to lose this moment and this opportunity. Even better yet, Come talk to me after the service. I want to pray with you. I encourage you to come meet with me, meet with Pastor Melissa, meet with Tony, meet with one of our team. Um, we would love to pray with you and help you along that path. All right? Hosanna. diligence, 
when we do that rooted in the word of God, surrendered to the word of God, committed to letting what we do be things that glorify God, we can be assured then that the direction of our lives is going to follow what's true. And so going along with what Pastor Brent said, what is your egg or your quarter cup of vegetable oil? What is the thing that you're holding on to that's keeping you from living, walking, surrendered to the will of God? What is it that you are withholding that keeps you from guarding your heart diligently, committed to walking in what it is that God has purposed for you? We're about to fill out our connect cards, and you can find that at nlcchurch.com connect. And there's a section there where you can interact with us. And so if you have a prayer request or a praise report, or if the message that's been brought to you today is resounding in you, claying something in your heart and you're wanting to surrender an area of strength that's keeping you from being fully engaged in what it is God has for you, I want to invite you to let us know what that is. And I'm inviting you to do that because it will help us know what to pray with for you. Every week, our pastors and elders meet together and they pray specifically over those prayer requests that are submitted. And so that place is for you to engage with what it is that the word of God has been speaking into your life today. If you are new to New Life Church, our connect card is simply a way that we can get to know you. And part of how we want to start in ministry with you and to serve with you is that if you are new on your behalf, we will sponsor a child through a program called Feed One. And Feed One is fantastic because it exists in places where it, it's hard for children to have access to good food and clean water, education, and access to the gospel. And so at no cost to you, except for simply the few seconds it takes to fill out your Connect card, if you're new or if it's your second or third time and you haven't yet done that, go ahead and do that. Um, and that's consider that our first walk in ministry with you. If you're a regular attender at New Life Church, let us know if there's anything that's going on in your life that you want us to know about or if there's anything that needs to be updated. I'm going to give you a few minutes to go ahead and fill that out. Uh, we brought some announcements to you earlier today. Sign up for those things on that Connect card. And there isn't a section on there for you yet to sign up for our Foundations class or Next Steps class and, and, and what it means to be a believer and to sign up if you're interested in baptism. Go ahead and write that in that open space. That we're going to give you about a minute to fill that out nlcchurch.com slash event. Thank you, everyone. Uh, thank you, Hosanna. I'm here to give appreciation to our pastors. And this is from all of the church, too. If we could have our pastors and their wives or significant person with them come up, Pastor Todd and Chris, you both.
and any of our elders, Albert, any other elders here? Okay, oh, and Kit, thank you. We just want to, this is our opportunity to say thank you. These people, our pastors, put in hours that a lot of us don't see. And not only here in the church building, but outside the building. And we are ever so grateful. We could never pour enough love on them for what they give us. But we want to give back to them. So right now we're going to pray for them. We have a gift for each one. And uh, we just hope that each one of you will have an opportunity to tell them thank you and what they mean to you. Dear Lord Jesus, we just come before you right now, Lord, and we just lift our leaders, Lord, before you. And we thank you for each and every one of these people, Lord, for their heart to serve you, Jesus, that they just want to come here and pour into this congregation, Lord, and just watch this body grow and watch people grow closer to you, Lord Jesus. We just ask that you just shield each of our brothers and sisters, Lord, continue to walk over that watch over them as they just walk your path of light you have for them jesus we ask that you'll just use each of them to just reach the lost father god and bring them into these doors that you'll just give them the words of wisdom father that only you can give them in their decisions and their guidance to the people that come through these doors lord jesus we just thank you lord jesus that you give us this opportunity to worship you freely lord and we just praise your name jesus thank you lord jesus Thank you, everybody, and I hope you have a wonderful, blessed week.